Hello and welcome to Dez and Marco. I am Dez. And I'm Marco. How are you, Des? <laughs> okay, apologies. We were experimenting with our ASMR voice. Our sexy voice. Well, I don't know. I thought it was pretty sexy. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Des? I'm doing good. I guess this will be our first episode after Halloween. So happy Halloween, I guess. Yes, happy Halloween to you, if that's a thing we celebrate nowadays. I did have a, a big weekend for the Halloween weekend, so uh, I was feeling Halloween-y, so it's oh, good. okay. I was away for the weekend. I'll tell you about it in a second, though. But first, beers. Which one have you picked? Okay, so I feel a little bit ripped off. So, as I said, I had a big weekend, and this is actually a leftover beer from said weekend, where I bought some beers like to drink and stuff like that. It's not a premium beer, or should I say expensive beer. It's really easy to find, especially in Italy, but also now in the UK. It's meant to be like an everyday kind of beer, and it's called um, Angelo Poretti, an Italian beer, or at least marketed as an Italian beer. If you do get a chance, look at the pictures of this beer on our Twitter feed, at Desert Marco which is also a beautiful segue for later on, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's park that for a second, but go ahead. You look at the bottle and it's like an Italian blue. It's got the Italian flag pretty much like stylized with it, like in the bottle. You can see, you know, it says in Italian, Birra Italiana Premium. And it's got some old timey dates and a random place in Italy. So it's got Valganna, Italy in 1877. And then you read the back. It's got the story of the founder, Angelo Poretti, and how he set his brewery in, the, in this valley in the mountains in northern Italy, which, you know, they're all real places. And the bottle's even got, like, Italy 1877, like, embossed in the glass. And you're yeah. thinking, this is an Italian beer. Like, why would you think otherwise? Surely, it must be. It must be. And no, it says... <laughs> Brewed and bottled in the UK by Carlsberg. <laughs> okay, well... This I, I beer <laughs> does exist in Italy, and maybe the recipe is the same, but it's done using British tap water. Hmm, interesting. So one thing I had, I, I've always found funny about the Poretti beer is that it, like, I think it became popular in Italy only recently, like in the last 10 or so years. But I thought it was a spoof of Moretti beer. So did I. As if I were to start the brewery and call it Feineken or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Or like Barlsberg. If we have Moretti and Poretti, is the next one going to be like Coretti with a Q and then Roretti with an R? Like, is it alphabetical or what? How does it work? Okay, so this is Carlsberg. I think Birra Moretti is Heineken, maybe, or ABM Bev. So it's probably going to be like Budweiser or something who buys the next one. So we should ask them. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a large multinational brewing company, then uh, consider making an Italian beer, which I guess is popular nowadays. But consider making it and making the, the name rhyme with Moretti and Poretti. Having said that, this I went a completely different direction than you. And I have a beer that's called Zuster Agatha from the Maufel Brewery in the Netherlands. And it's meant to be the best beer of the region of Brabant. And it's wow. a quadruple beer. So I, it's safe to say I will probably not be able to speak very well at the end of this episode. 
Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Good thing I do most of the talking in the first part and then you, you take over in the second part. First off, the news. Really short segment this time. There's only like one major news. So he finally did it. Elon Musk bought Twitter and took over and he's already going all sorts of crazy and promising things left and right and making already some changes. The bigger one being that, you know, the blue tick that yeah. verified users have, or I don't know how you actually get that. But anyway, he wants to charge for it in an effort to get rid of bots. He wants to charge for blue ticks. He said initially something like 20 bucks and now eight. I don't know how that solves the bot issue, but apparently it does. And so it's safe to say that our account at Desen Marco will go from not having a blue tick to not having a blue tick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's, um, well, no one knows what goes on in that head. And <laughs> the man has a habit of tweeting God knows what whenever. There's speculation that there's going to be massive layoffs. There's the ultra capitalist side of him, which apparently is being super cynical and forcing 80 hour weeks to get people to quit so he doesn't have to pay severance. And basically it's a time of turmoil and nobody knows anything. Yeah. But yeah, it's happened. And I read a funny article because I guess now we can say it at one point, it looked like he was really trying to pull out of a deal. Yeah. Apparently what spurred him to do a U-turn and suddenly decide I wanted to buy this all along. You know, apart from the contractual obligations, but okay. Yeah, the contractual obligations, one. But two, apparently there would have been a legal right for him to expose his text messages. An interesting article about, um, is it Katie Holmes? The Theranos crazy woman? No, Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes. Sorry, Katie, Katie Holmes, Holmes is, is, the is, the, is the Dawson's Creek actress. Yes. Um, so <laughs> anyway, people. her embarrassing personal texts were all exposed for the world to see as part of the Theranos inquest. Right. Yeah. Elon Musk would have been treated exactly the same. Like his personal texts, you know, they contain information about the circumstances surrounding the acquisition of Twitter. So it would have been fair game. And he was dead against that. He was dead against that to the point where he bought Twitter. Imagine, imagine having such messages in your phone that you'd rather pay 44 billion dollars I, right? <laughs> I mean yeah i would probably do the same but anyway in other news there's a dutch hotel that is planning on suing activision for their latest call of duty game which has a level that takes place in amsterdam and it's actually been all over the internet that you play in the red light district and it looks incredibly accurate but there's a multiplayer level that takes place in a hotel just nearby. It's not the same name, but it's it's that hotel. Yeah. Like it's pretty recognizable. And so that hotel is like going mental saying like, oh no, you're ruining our reputation, the Call of Duty games incite violence, and that's not what we stand for, and all that. So that's an interesting thing, I guess. Wow. That's so interesting because as games become more realistic or like, for example, the metaverse, which aims to replicate the real world and the virtual world, like make them merge, yeah. it's yeah. going to become more of an issue. Yeah, exactly. Like now you can 
walk around that hotel with a machine gun and shoot other players, I guess. I don't know. And it's like, like this is meant to be like a, a super high-end hotel, like $1,000 per night room. Which is probably the closest I'll ever get to going into it. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you can go in, then they'll kick you out. because Unless you have a machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> so, kids, <laughs> the moral of the story is that you can, go at, you can go in anywhere as long as you have a machine gun. <laughs> Thank you, Activision. <laughs> but anyway, and that's the news for today. There's just, just mostly those two things. Okay, Marco, let's transition into our next talking point. Is that meant to be a, a segue? Oh, okay, you think of a segue. I'll... Uh, so I bought a car. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you totally didn't know. I haven't no, been totally. like, nonstop texting you for the past week or so. All right. On a serious note, we did an episode, I think in season one, called What Are You Driving? Maybe? Yes, with a clever pun. What, oh, as in tons the, of puns. the electricity to the one. episode. It's actually yeah. one of our better ones where we've done proper research. <laughs> yeah, we still get compliments from it. It's, it's quite impressive. We basically spoke about the transition and how, let's say, I don't want to say centuries old, but the traditional combustion engine, the time is kind of up and the transition yeah. is happening and what shape or form that will take is kind of in flux. But it seems very likely it's going to be electric cars, at least as personal vehicles, maybe commercial might take a different direction. I drove and I still do drive an electric car, but I have changed recently from... Um, a Stellantis Peugeot vehicle to another one. And Marco is probably a way bigger petrol head, even though that is now no longer an adequate yeah. uh, term. You know, he hadn't really got his teeth stuck into the whole electric thing because he lives in a city which has more canals than roads. Yeah, pretty much. But things have changed. Exactly. I discovered the pleasures of riding an electric bicycle, which is pretty cool, especially here in Amsterdam. But like you said, I'm, I can define myself a petrol head, as in I do love cars. I'm always keeping up to date on them. Like I'm, I, I guess is I'm as much as an enthusiast can get without actually owning a car. There was a bit of an itch, so I kind of did want a car, not necessarily because I need one. So luckily, I mean, I can cycle to work. I work from home, but especially this summer was pretty bad for traveling flights got canceled the airport here in amsterdam is a total disaster i kind of found myself in a situation where i was thinking i kind of want a car you know to just get out in the weekend or do trips or cross the entire continent and drive to italy or things like that i mean both my and my partner's siblings live abroad so it makes a lot of sense for us to just drive there. Initially, I wanted, you know, the big petrol car, like the fun one to drive uh, on the motorway and like in a little back road or something like that. As I was thinking about it, it started making less and less sense all the time. The Netherlands is very much committed to getting rid of petrol cars. So is the EU. I think they recently announced that as of 2035, there will be no new petrol or diesel cars sold. And so I started looking into electric cars because they clearly have some advantages, both financial in terms of like taxes and the price of oil is high, but the price of electricity as well, but not as bad, I guess. Yeah. And there's also the question of, and this is a bit more generic, but petrol 
takes millions of years to develop and you need to like dig it up from the ground. So you either have access to it or you don't. It's like binary. Whereas yeah. electricity, especially nowadays, we can pretty much generate from the wind, from the sun, from burning things, from nuclear. <laughs> so regardless of how clean a, a method you use to generate it, you can generate it in many ways. Yeah, exactly. And OK, this is maybe a bit of more of a deeper argument, but I think this energy crisis that we're going through in Europe at the moment I would like to be optimistic about it and say that whenever the sanctions will be over, whenever hopefully the war will be over, Europe will be in a much better place from an energy point of view, as in the, the shortage of natural gas and oil. All that it's doing is speeding up a process that has yeah. already started. And so moving towards renewable resources and wind and solar and so on, I think by the end of it, hopefully soon, Europe will be in a much better place to generate its own electricity and generate its own energy. To go back on track, I tried a couple of cars. One of them that I actually really liked in photos was the Renault Megane. But then I tried it and it just, it was fun to drive, but it was very small and claustrophobic inside. Then almost out of a Let's see. Let's just see how it, how it is. But I wasn't really interested in actually buying it. I went and tested a Hyundai Ionic Five. It looks like a like a big hatchback, but it's actually like much bigger. And I tried it, and it was fantastic. It was literally love at first sight. As in the inside is just massive. You're super comfortable. It feels like you're sitting in your living room. Testing it, I was sold. A few weeks passed, then I ordered it, and I was super lucky that I got it after six weeks. Yeah, because it's a super in-demand car, and I know specifically in the States where they seem to be, well, Tesla pretty much has a monopoly on electric cars in North America, so yeah. other manufacturers are in no rush to try break that monopoly, and they're kind of more interested in gaining traction in Europe. Obviously, with all the incentives and the governments being very pro-electric, the opportunity is there and Europe, I think, has a much more interesting electric car market than North America. Yeah, plus even the advantage that Tesla has, which is the supercharger network, the EU is kind of meddling with that, saying you got to open it up to everybody. And so the massive advantage that Tesla has is cancelled out. So this is, you know, you're the perfect example of this. The Netherlands is such a small country. You're saying that your car with a full charge, it literally can do all of the Netherlands and back in one charge. Yeah. And then some, I mean, yeah, because yeah, also I'm in Amsterdam, which is pretty conveniently placed in the middle. If I'm doing road trips here, I can manage within one charge. Which brings me back to my point that, you know, Europe in general is, I mean, yes, it's a big continent, but it's very densely populated with tons of cities. And, you know, it's rare to drive more than like, 30 minutes and not come, into, not come across like another town. No, exactly. Well, so anyway, I was, I was super lucky because it's a big expense. So I was thinking it over, going back over, like, do I really need a car? Mostly no. Do I really want the car? Mostly yes. I ordered it, I don't know, mid-September or beginning of September. I was ready to have to wait for it for a few months because that's what the dealer said. And literally the day I walked in ready to pull the trigger, 
and by pull the trigger I mean buy, I don't mean like a Call of Duty kind of pull, pull the trigger. <laughs> the the minute I, I walked in and I was ready, the guy said literally the day before they got a message from Hyundai saying that there was I think like six or seven Ionic 5s on the way that would be shipped by mid-October. If I wanted one, I could just go ahead and get that. And so I did. And then like only six weeks later, I got the, the car was delivered. So I was pretty lucky also because I know people like a good friend of mine. He ordered a Skoda Enyaq. So the um, big Skoda yeah. Skoda based on the uh, Volkswagen MEB platform. OK, sure. Um, <laughs> I think he ordered it a year ago. And it still hasn't arrived. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's that it's that bad. But anyway, so yeah, so I got it last week and I already took it for the first road trip. And wow, Des, I am so happy. I don't know if Marco mentioned it, but he bought the Ionic 5. You can see the specs on pretty much a million different YouTube videos. We're not going to go too much into that, but we're going to give you a first impressions of what it's actually like to own and drive one. We may do an in-depth analysis of the vehicle and driving electrics again and update it because it's something we're both passionate about. But Marco, first impressions? First impressions? Wow, I am so impressed by the car. The thing I still like the most about it is the way it looks. I think it looks fantastic. It takes inspiration from one of the first Hyundais that the, they ever built, the Hyundai Pony, which was originally designed by Giorgetto Giugiaro. So a guy famous for, I mean, you've probably seen a car like the original Golf, the Lancia Delta, the yeah. a bunch of Ferraris, a bunch of the Lamborghinis. I don't know, he's Miura, maybe? Could, no, I don't think it was him. But anyway, like he is an iconic car designer, and this car takes, takes from it. Also, it was designed by, so the current head of design at Hyundai Motor Group, or whatever it's called, is Luke Donkervolk, or something like that, who has been like the head of design at Lamborghini. The Koreans are clearly stepping up in this aspect. So anyway, the car looks amazing from the outside, the, the thing that really gets you is that it's much bigger than it looks. They, they, meant, they call it an SUV, but I wouldn't really say that's accurate. One thing that really impressed me is I haven't driven a new car in a really long time. I, I didn't know that cars were so advanced these days. It's so full of tech. I think the last new car that I drove was, or that I drove consistently, was my dad's golf which he bought back in 2009 and it felt and that one felt like a rocket ship this is a completely different planet you feel like this now and i agree with you the first time i stepped into an electric car it was also a brand new car so there's always that sort of new car smell and giddy excitement that you get with that you will go back to even like the most modern newest on the market combustion engine car and feel like you're going back in time Okay, I'm because looking I don't know forward about you. to The thing that. which struck me the most was like you get into the car and whether you have to push a button to turn it on or it turns on automatically because, you know, lots of electric cars do things yeah. slightly differently. It's on, it's ready to drive almost instantaneously. Yeah. But there's no vibrations. 
Yeah, it's so, but even not just the vibrations, there's a clear sound of an engine, but it doesn't sound like an, like a petrol engine, but it's silent. Yeah. Like even driving in the motorway, it's as if there was no car around. I don't know how, like <laughs> the thing which really kind of um, stuck with me and it took me a while to get used to the new normal. I got into my first electric car and it had a start engine button, which I thought was a bit cute. Yeah. So you push it and the car is ready to drive, but it feels no different to it did before because it's silent, no vibrations. Yeah. So I would do that out of reflex. The car was ready to go. I'm, I'm buckled up and, you know, ready to go. And then I'd push the button again and it would turn it off. <laughs> because psychologically, it didn't feel like the, it was a car. Yeah, you were expecting some kind of noise or vibration. My subconscious or, yeah. still expected a bit of vibration, a bit of noise, or yeah. you know, the vents heating up or something. Instead, it was yeah. just silent. Just nothing, yeah. It's something that I now really appreciate. And we still have a combustion engine in the household. We use it for uh, other things. And I don't know. I mean, I've got nothing against those. I mean, I just think their days are numbered. And I fully appreciate that for lots of people, and I'd argue maybe the majority of people, electric cars remain too expensive. Yeah, that's the, the feeling of getting a little bit ripped off that I have. As in, not necessarily ripped off, but electrics, they have, there's incentives a lot of countries offer. But the Netherlands doesn't, or the Netherlands offers incentives that are based on the value of the car, which I get because you don't want to give incentives to like the luxury rich people, yeah. to rich people who buy Porsches. But at the same time, they're, they, they tend to be expensive. So to be able to avail of said incentives, you have to buy the base model of a lower end car, which is just like, you're not going to use that. I was discussing this with the dealer at, at Renault and he was telling me, yeah, you have to get the smaller battery, which is something like 200, 300 kilometers. But if I'm using the car for road trips, I don't want the small battery. Like I need, I yeah. need the bigger one. Like, so you're not giving me a realistic option that I can buy. So I just have to not like skip on the, on the incentive, but there is one incentive that I really loved. So. Here in Amsterdam, you, I don't have a garage. You have to get a parking permit to just park in the streets, which if you have an electric car is awesome because there's chargers literally everywhere. Like on my street, there are six, I think, and there's always one free. So whenever I need to get like charge, I can just go in the street and find one. But to get a parking permit, because Amsterdam hates cars, you have to get into a queue. And the queue is usually for my area. They were saying it was five months. If you have an electric, you skip the queue. But still, I was thinking, okay, it's going to be still like a couple of months or something like that, right? There's a queue, obviously. So yeah. car owner needs to move away from the, the neighborhood in order for you to enter that queue. It was instant. <laughs> I, got, I got the parking permit. Like I clicked submit and I got it. <laughs> which also kudos to the to the amsterdam city hall because everything is automated it's really impressive all you have to do is go on a website put in your license plate number and then pay of course but it's all online which is like it's so nice to deal with such bureaucracy yeah. or like this kind of bureaucracy but i feel again that 
some may argue that this is a form of privilege for those who have means, because as you said, you, know, you buy the electric car and you skip the queue. But to buy the electric car, you need to have the capital. But anyway, moving on, uh, going back to what we were going to say initially, you said you were not taken aback, but surprised at how much new cars had changed from what you remembered. What was it which really surprised you? Apart from simply the fact that now you have just the one big touch screen and that's where you manage everything from the car. It's, you know, little things like I haven't really driven a car with parking sensors, let alone cameras. And this one has a, a camera that I swear I cannot figure out how it works. But you see on the screen, you see the car from above. Yeah, yeah, the 360 degree view. The 360 degree view, which makes parking like a video game. It's yeah. so easy to park this car, even if it doesn't have the best turning radius, also because it's got a wheelbase that's super long. But the like parking it is just you just look at the screen. It's just much easier. Also, it has an option to park itself. I haven't tried it yet because I can't figure out because it's got so many options. I still can't figure out how to how to get that working. But I'll let you know. But the thing that amazed me the most out of all the technology and now I see why Tesla is charging something like 7,000 euro for it, is the autopilot feature. So my car has, I think they call it high, highway drive assist, which basically means that when you're in a highway or a motorway, the car drives itself. As in, it steers itself and accelerates and brakes. You set a certain speed in the like the cruise control like you used to like in the older yeah. cars you set a speed for the cruise control but it regulates itself based on the car in front of you so if the car in front of you breaks your car breaks but also what really shocked me is the the steering like it steers itself do you trust it eh i don't know kinda can I, can I tell you a funny anecdote? Please. So I've told you this uh, before, but I've got a, a Kona electric, which is, let's say, maybe the, the older sibling, but smaller. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it's, a, it's also a Hyundai. It's also a very good electric car, a little bit more basic than Marco's, but it's got the same um, driving assist features. Forget about the self-driving for a moment. Your car probably has it too. It's got the lane keep assist, i.e. when you're drifting, especially on motorways, when you're drifting lanes or something like that, it gives you an audible and light warning to basically tell you, pay attention, you're kind of swerving between the lane here or something. Okay, yeah. I then put on like the highway drive assist and it's mostly fine. It's mostly fine. And I keep, it gives me the prompts to the steering wheel and all that sort of stuff. But the world isn't perfect. Sometimes lanes become smaller sometimes um the, the lines aren't easy to see yeah it does a very good job it's i never feel in danger but it's driving itself and then it starts beeping no you're going too close to the yeah, line yeah. and i'm like but you're driving so you're getting <laughs> angry at yourself <laughs> okay <laughs> so like the computer is contradicting itself it's like Trust me, I'm taking over. You know, put your faith in me. And then it's like, no, you're doing something wrong. It's like, but I'm not doing anything. <laughs> it's actually both the driver and the passenger. Yeah. At the same time. It's like it's backseat like, driving I itself. <laughs> I got this. And then it's like, no, you don't got this. <laughs> 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 so 
I'm kind of like, well, well what? I've done, like, I'm a typical man. I'm like, I've done nothing wrong. Uh, yeah, that, okay, that's one thing I noticed. The car is beeping at you constantly. Yeah. It's, for whatever reason, it's like, you're too close to the, to the lane. You're too, you're... You're not breaking fast enough, or yeah, beep, 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 there's something coming. Uh, it's really beeping the entire time. But, okay, no, the, the highway assist, like for me, it's just fantastic. I, I don't know how I could ever go back to a driving, to doing all the driving in a, in a motorway myself. So I remember we had a discussion of, you know, with uh, combustion engines, especially manual cars, purists will be like, that's the real pleasure of driving, you know, doing a, you know, a shift braking, clutch braking, or whatever you want to yeah. call it. You know, you said yourself that you used to be like that until the day you were driving in Milan traffic and you're like, yes. the automatic is, is, you know, heaven. Yeah. And I think this takes it one step further because, yeah. for example, last weekend I did a five hour drive. And I was, I'm not going to say I was refreshed, but I arrived fresh because after three hours, I had to stop for 15 minutes just to top up a little bit, just yeah. to arrive at my destination with a bit of wiggle room. It could have done it. And the second thing, and I need a toilet break. So it was made sense to do that. The, the amount of time I spent charging, I would argue was less than I would have at a petrol pump because I didn't have to physically stay there whilst I charged, you know, I plugged yeah. it in, went to the toilet, came back unplugged. So the yeah. actual physical act of keeping it plugged in was less than I would at a petrol pump. Instead of having to go and park my car and then do what I needed to do, I did it whilst it was charging. Yes, and actually this is something I noticed as well. So I did a, a little road trip or a, a weekend away here in the Netherlands. We have a great infrastructure here, I have to say, as in maybe a different country is not, is not as good. But it changes the way you do, like, little city trips because first of all i left from my drive from my street i left with a hundred percent battery because i can charge it here like in front of my house so there's no need to stop at a petrol station on the way to wherever i go so that's already some time saved and then when on uh, sunday we were like myself and a, and a few friends we were walking around in the city that that we went to visit uh, which was, I don't know, like 120 kilometers away. And while we were visiting the thing, I hooked up the car to a public charger. And so on the, when we got back to the car, the car was at 100%. I didn't have to waste any time along the way, like on the way back to recharge it. So yeah. it's like, which is, if I had a petrol car, I would have had to... Probably I would have had to stop at some point, waste those. Not, I mean, it's five minutes. It's nothing life changing, but it's just really nice to leave with a full tank, essentially. Like wherever you go, you just the car can do its thing while you're busy doing something else. So like in your case, it was a toilet break. In my case, it was a walking around the new city. By the time you're done, the car is ready to go and you don't have to worry about finding a petrol station along the way. And in terms of routine, people who do a lot of driving, nobody leaves the house with a full tank of petrol. It's physically impossible. Unless yeah, exactly. you've got a petrol station at home, it's physically yeah. impossible. But you can have a, air quotes, electric petrol station at home. 
Yeah, and you live in a, an apartment block, which I would, you know, f- still argue that is not as convenient as having your own drive. No, of course not. But as you said, you've got six chargers on your street. How many petrol stations do you have on your street? Yeah, exactly. None. <laughs> or, yeah. Uh, so you could leave today. with a full tank of petrol or you're six times more likely to leave with a fully charged battery. Yeah, exactly. No, that's true. But overall, the experience of driving it is fantastic. So apart, okay, to go back to the autopilot or highway assist, I I do see the potential for something going bad because mentally you, like you said, at the end of the five hour trip, you're not as tired as you would be if you had to pay attention. But the thing is, you don't pay attention, or at least I found myself not paying attention as if I was doing the driving. Yeah. And I kind of got distracted a couple of times with like, oh, look at the sunset, which is great because it's like every time when you're driving, there's something amazing happening on the side. And it's like everybody's like, oh, look, a unicorn. And then you (laughs) you can't look because you're focusing on the road. But then like here you just turn around. You're like, wow, I can take it all in. Um, I can picture you like making a sandwich. (laughs) And I was like, and then I started playing like with the with the computer or the the infotainment is like the base is a tad too strong i need to take it down a notch or like (laughs) i'll uh, work on my playlist a little bit and it's not like i wasn't looking at the street but it's like "Mm, you know if if something happens i probably wouldn't be as aware as i would be if i was fully in control so that's i don't know i know it happened a while ago but remember uber and I still think Uber are kind of working on self-driving vehicles because yeah. why pay taxi drivers, right? Yeah. One of the people testing their vehicles ran somebody over. It was an accident. You know, I'm not going to get into that at all. It was a horrific accident. But they released the video of what the guy was doing, and he wasn't doing anything wrong. It's just that this person has literally driven maybe even thousands of miles with the computer doing its own thing. And like, this wasn't your commercially available vehicle. This was a test vehicle with lots of machinery and apparatus and and cameras. And, you know, because they were developing the technology and they still are. Even now, it was so reliable that this person had completely shut off. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then he reacted just way too late. As you said, he just shut off, you know, through no fault of his own. He's human. Yeah, exactly. Subconsciously, you do disconnect a little bit. Or yeah. You let yourself get distracted. Then, I mean, the car, I think, is good enough to tell you, like, you know, both hands on the wheel at all times and things like that. But... Uh, I don't know. In in a long trip, I could see this be a problem. As in, you touched upon it there, and I think millennials onwards, a lot of people are buying vehicles less so for the performance. And electric cars, you could argue, have a very similar performance spectrum, whereas the range in combustion engine cars is much wider. Yeah. The infotainment system. How did you find it? Did you use Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, or did you stick with their own guidance systems? So I have the heads-up display. I can't understand why all cars don't have it. It is so good. Do you have it? I don't have it, but I wish I did. Okay, it's amazing. So it's basically a projector in front of the steering wheel that projects some kind of information over on the windscreen. The information is basically right there 
it's where you're already looking yeah, because it's within your field of vision. Yeah, exactly. So you get speed, you get, I don't know if you've got like highway assist, it's just a little logo and things like that. And by far the best, the most comfortable thing is you have the navigation there. So it tells you where you have to turn and in how long. Thing is, it only works with the Hyundai navigation. Mm. It doesn't work with CarPlay or Android Auto. I was much more inclined to using the car's navigation, which is a little bit worse than Google or Apple. Uh, I mean, even if you use CarPlay, you end up using Google Maps. It's a little bit worse, but it's you gain so much inconvenience. So, for instance, the we were going, we rented a house like in the middle of nowhere, and it gave us the wrong directions to get there the Hyundai one so then yeah. we disconnected it and then hooked up the Google Maps and we just had to go like around the corner but it was leading me to a parking you had to pay for and which was clearly not the case yeah. but um but anyway so apart from that I wish from what I read the Hyundai infotainment isn't the best as in Tesla obviously you could argue Tesla is a software company first a car company second and they have a better one. The the Renault Megane I've tested has a much better infotainment because that's actually that's it's Android Automotive, not to be confused with Android Auto. So it's basically Android running the show on your car. So you've got you know Spotify and things like that. Whilst on the Hyundai you don't. You gotta either stream it in some way from your phone via Android Auto, Apple CarPlay, or like Bluetooth connection. Yeah, which is not the best. But it, I mean, I don't know. For road, road it's not a deal worked. breaker, though. No, because like, and that's the thing. Because you've got Android Auto to kind yeah. of save you, and at, like Android Auto and CarPlay are really good. I really believe every car should have it at this stage because then your phone takes over as the infotainment, and you've already got everything on your phone, like maps, music, podcasts. If you want to listen to us. Can I ask a, a question specific to your vehicle? Yeah. I've got Android Auto and I pr- usually I only use it for road trips or places where I, you know, a, a long journey where I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, because I, Google Maps is better. As you said, I don't have a heads up display, so it's not an issue. My version of the vehicle, it's the slightly more premium one. So it's got a larger display. Yeah. And something I didn't know is that I think by default, all Android Autos, like the default setting is, I think, like seven inches, Okay. the screen. So because my screen was bigger than 10 inches, Hyundai haven't kind of like paid for the extra development to fill it full screen. So I had like a, a massive bar on the side of the screen, which really? I've managed to fill in with something else. Okay. But at first it was like kind of jarring. With something else, what, like stickers? No, so maybe yours has it too. I've got like a split screen function. Yes, so yes, now I've does. got like Android Auto and on the other one, I've got like my battery charge. Where's the closest charger? Yeah, yeah. You know, aircon settings, that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's true. I, I, I have the same. No, but mine, I think my the screen of my car is 12 inches and no, it can do Android Auto full screen. The only thing, maybe the only gripe I have is that uh, the Android Auto or CarPlay only work when like with a wired connection. So yeah. I can't leave the phone on because my phone, my my car has a wireless charger, but it's in a different place. So uh, like I can't just like place it on the wireless charger and then 
yeah let it connect i need to connect it with a cable it's one second of my life so i really don't mind it and one weird thing is like the car has been like this is the first car on a brand new platform the egmp platform i think from from the hyundai group it's brand new first car came out in 2021 it has usb a plugs which is weird i had to go find a usb a cable i don't have those anymore yeah that is a bit bad yeah i mean nothing major of course but still kind of like if you're doing gonna like why don't you do a usb-c car now like but, but whatever I have I'm very far from testing everything on the car as in I want to test the the self parking this car has and I think yours as well has the vehicle to load and mine doesn't this it's sister car so the in the Kia Kona I believe EV6 no your sister car the Kona the e Nero the Nero yeah yeah cuz you have the Kona I've got the corner. Yeah. Okay. So that one, they they have a commercial on that of like a guy who like plugs in a big sign for his girlfriend. And so I thought you had that. But anyway, mine does. And basically what that means is that you can plug in regular stuff as in like a laptop or a fridge or a, I actually saw a YouTube video of a guy taking the Hyundai, the Ionic 5 camping. And it was nowhere near regular camping. I thought it was pretty funny because it was like basically a guy, I think in Korea or something like that, who goes in the woods, but then plugs into the car all sorts of things like a coffee maker, a microwave, <laughs> a fridge and all that. And just to show I was like, oh, I can do everything with the car. But I guess it could be a useful thing. I don't see how yet, but it's cool that I can plug stuff in. We've spoken a lot about Hyundai's. Obviously, Marco's got the latest Ionic 5 now, and his first impressions, as you can hear, are pretty positive. Yes. Just to say, I did test drive the Ionic. I really did like it, but I opted to pay a bit less and get the <laughs> Kona, which meets all my needs. But I think it's worth mentioning that I used to have a, a car from the Stellantis group. I have to admit that, in particular to my car like the Kona the Peugeot was better styled if I have to say but it was much less user-friendly just the infotainment system the fact that you couldn't schedule your charging to stop at a certain time but only start at a certain time I thought was stupid yeah it's a bit weird really stupid I know also because it's probably just a software thing I mean I can't imagine that being too difficult to implement all the let's say legacy car makers I would argue they know how to build a car because I did test drive a Tesla. I know my friend, for example, has a Tesla and this is no lie. And I'm not, you know, what they call it, the word FUD or anything. I'm not inventing this stuff. So Tesla's cost, you know, upwards of $60,000 realistically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he received this brand new car. When it rains, the back mirrors fill up with water and they drain very slowly. So several weeks after it's rained, and we live in the United Kingdom. It rains. Yeah. But again, Tesla, soft, software company first, car company second. Exactly. But do you know what the official advice given to him was by the Tesla service center? What was it? Just drill a hole in the lights. So, they're, they're, so Tesla is recommending that you drill your car. The service center was recommending you, Mr. DIY, 
drill your own lights in a brand new $60,000 pounds euros vehicle. He was like, no, I am not doing that. Of course not. I'm not drilling a car. <laughs> like, oh, God. You know, okay. so anyway, I think Tesla's done a lot for electric vehicles. I still think they've got the best infotainment system. And I think chances are you will be fine. But when I test drove one, I didn't feel it was built as premium. Like the sound of the doors, you know, they didn't have the right yeah, weight. Okay. The car rattled a bit more. It didn't, you know, I, I just felt like other cars were built better. If the, if the Tesla cost 15, maybe $20,000 less, I would have been like, this is a great car. But when you're yeah. paying... BMW territory money, I expect BMW territory build. Yeah, exactly. And they've, I think they made significant step forward in that, but they're still nowhere near. So yeah, that that was their thing. As in, like a few years ago, if you wanted an electric car, realistically, that was the only one. Yeah. Nowadays, everyone's jumping on board because they have to to because they sell between a Model S and. and a Porsche Taycan, realistically, what would you get? I'd buy a Taycan any day exactly. of the week. Exactly, like, because it's also a Porsche, so it's like, <laughs> there's also some prestige to it and some, I don't know. It's a, it's a long story. But having said that, I am, I, I mean, I've only driven it one week, but I'm so happy I bought this car. I think it's, I think it, for now it can be the right choice. and. I can't wait for you to come and visit so we can go on a road trip. But, uh, but anyway, and also, like, speaking of uh, driving, how's your beer? As you would expect, it's now a super commercial beer with an Italian twist. It's mostly marketing. It's brewed in the UK. It's owned by Carlsberg. And it's not a bad beer. Every beer has its time and place. And, you know, this isn't a bad beer. It's a safe bet. I would say that it tastes just like you'd expect like a Heineken or Carlsberg to taste, but it's got a slightly more, let's say, bitter taste note, a bit more mature maybe. And I think that's because it's got more hops than maybe your more commercial Carlsbergs, Heinekens, etc. It's definitely got a very, let's say, pleasant palate or flavor notes with a slightly more hoppy, bitter taste to it. So I'd give it a 3.5 out of a six pack. As an everyday beer, it's absolutely fine. You will not be disappointed. Are you going to buy this for your newborn children? Probably not. <laughs> Please don't buy beer for your newborn <laughs> children. <laughs> like if we if we learn something from this episode is don't go into a hotel shooting things and don't buy beer for your <laughs> newborn children. Where do you come up with that, Des? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> What is wrong with you, man? (laughs) How was your beer? Oh my god, I'm so drunk, man. Okay, so... (laughs) I am, um, um... It's good. So, on their website, they say the Zuster Agatha Quadruple is a dark beer that you should sit down for. And I fully agree! This isn't the, the beer you drink at a barbecue or like if you're just having a beer after work. This is a beer you sit down for and, and think about your day and think about like contemplate life and things like that or record a podcast in my case. No, it's very good. It's like it's like a dark beer. It tastes heavy, 
but it's very tasty like you feel a bunch of um like it's a full rich beer um there's few aftertastes and uh, i don't know i can't describe it but it's uh but it's good i think i'm gonna give it a four and a half out of um out of a six pack and i highly recommend it but it's definitely not a beer for just any moment to go back to what we were saying before i would not get behind the wheel right now after having drunk this one after that positive review just a quick summary of what we have spoken today marco has finally taken the plunge and has joined the world of electric automotion he is literally and utterly blown away by how positive a first experience it was yeah you could say i'm electrified oh god it was going so well come on finish your your summary it was great it was going well man despite the length of his episode that was just a preview and once he's really gotten to grips with charging infrastructure international travel and maybe even just more practical issues about loading unloading and living with the vehicle we will maybe have an update on the whole driving with zero emissions change that we are both relatively passionate about and that is happening anyway so you might as well listen to get informed or not informed because we don't do research on this show (laughs) yeah we're not going to inform you on anything but yeah go on that's it i hope you guys learned something i hope you guys are excited about things as marco is and i hope you learn a bit more about beer so see you next time guys talk to you next time des Don't go into a hotel shooting things and don't buy beer for your <laughs> newborn children.